Hello, and welcome to Scared by Scott. I'm your host, Scott Newman. This episode contains three stories for you today. Going to be doing something a little different. Going to be presenting three shorter tales. They're flash fiction stories that I've written. And before we get to the stories, I want to tell you about uh, another horror podcast. It's probably one you've already been familiar with if you've been listening to horror podcasts for any amount of time. It's called Scare You to Sleep, and it's hosted by Shelby Scott. Now, Shelby's been in the horror podcasting arena, I guess we'll call it, for a long time. She's got, I believe, 170 episodes on her podcast. So if you haven't given her a listen, I highly recommend it. And before we get to the first story, I'm going to play her podcast trailer for you. So here it is. Scare you to sleep. Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. Have you ever felt like you needed something a little darker than whale noises or counting sheep to unwind at the end of the day? Maybe you've realized horror itself can be a strange but relaxing escape from reality. Every week I bring to you a myriad of bone-chilling tales from 19th century dusty tomes to modern up-and-coming authors to truer spooky tales like reddit mysteries and time slips all accompanied by a gentle voice and ambient music and sounds so that you feel immersed and lost in your own personal horror story you can find scary to sleep on all your favorite podcast apps so grab some earbuds a cozy corner and join me shelby scott every thursday and let's get unsettled together now go get some sleep sweet dreams our first story is titled good to the last drop this will be my last cup of coffee It's been a long time coming, and I'm going to enjoy this morning, as it will also be my last. The sun rose about an hour ago, the air filled with the various scents of summertime. There's a slight, crisp breeze, too. It couldn't be more perfect. I live in a penthouse apartment on the outskirts of the city. It wasn't mine before the madness started. But when everything began to fall apart and the building was vacated, I took advantage of an opportunity. I had nowhere else to go, so I grabbed my one bag of meager possessions and moved in. It's just been me now for a while. Me and the roaming masses of the undead below in the streets. Nope. 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 
I've long learned to ignore the endless moans and groans being admitted from them. I have many books and games to fill the lonesome hours until night falls. You'd be surprised how competitive you can get while playing against yourself in chess. But today I am filled with a certain feeling of warmth and something else. A looming sense of closure. You see, I also have a radio for entertainment. But unfortunately, the only thing that comes through these days is the static and the occasional government broadcast. It lets anyone out there listening know about updates and the migrations of the undead and where the new safe zones are located. I'm glad now that I grabbed all the batteries from my apartment when I made the move, although I usually just turn it on for background noise. After all, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. But last night the broadcast was different. It told anyone in the infected zones to try and get out if they could. It said for them to try and make it to a designated safe zone. It repeated this with instructions for each city on how to reach them. I knew the undead didn't always stay in one area, so I was curious on how many people would actually make it. I hadn't seen another living person in forever. But the broadcast always ended the same way. People were being told to try and make for safety because the infected areas were going to be sanitized. They gave times for each major city and when it would happen. This morning the missile will be launched at 10 a.m. I'm guessing it'll take about five minutes to reach the city. I think I've got time for one more game of chess. Best cup of coffee ever. Our second story is titled, The Kid at Walgreens. Not too long ago, I had went out after dinner to get a few things from the local Walgreens per my wife's request. I only needed a few items, including a prescription for our young son who suffered from asthma. As soon as I entered the place, my ears were immediately violated by the shrill screaming of a young child from somewhere inside. As soon as I discovered it was a young boy who was there with his parents, from what I could make out from the screaming and whining, in a moment of distant observation, the young man wanted some kind of stupid, cheap toy. And as I had guessed correctly, his parents had initially said no. Cue the screaming and whining. I proceeded straight to the back to pick up my prescription without haste. There was no line and the pharmacy technician was very speedy for a change. In only a matter of minutes, I almost had everything I had come for. The other important item of the trip was a toy dinosaur my wife wanted me to pick up if it was in. I made my way to the toy area 
in a zigzag pattern through the adjacent aisles and began to scan the shelves for the dinosaur. Uh, T-Rex to be exact. Kids know what they want and accept no substitutions. Still searching for the item, I was greeted by the now all too familiar voice of the boy from earlier. I assume he had run off from his parents and on a child's instinct made his way to the toy aisle. Hi, he said, holding his right hand up in a shy manner. Hi there. Looking at the toys, huh? He nodded yes and smiled at me. I returned his smile. It was then I found the T-Rex I was looking for and looked back down at the boy. I held the dinosaur up and made a growling noise with my mouth while gritting my teeth. Kind of like, grrr. The boy laughed and returned the growl. I said, hey, you want to see something cool? He stared at me with hesitation at first, then smiled again and vigorously nodded his head up and down. I then held up my empty hand and pointed with my index finger of the other hand that was currently holding the T-Rex. Watch this. It was then I showed him my teeth. My other set of teeth. As the skin on my palm split open to reveal a mouth full of rows of needle sharp teeth. <laughs> The boy stared at me with his mouth wide open. He dropped the bouncy ball he had been holding on to. I leaned in close to him and whispered, Next time, son, show your parents a little more respect, okay? He just stood there, still as a statue, now starting to wet his pants in the moment. I leaned away. Or next time, I'll bite your tongue off. I then got in line to pay for my items, glancing back with a smirk on my face. It was just enough to see the boy still standing there in the aisle as I had left him. His parents were just now beginning to call out to him from somewhere else in the store. Kids today, I swear. When will they learn? Our last story is titled, My Buddy's Odd Blinking. Last night, my old Navy buddy Steve and his wife came over for dinner. It was our turn to host, and my wife Jill and I decided on a pot roast in the crock pot with assorted veggies. Steve and Kim have been gracious enough to bring a homemade apple pie for dessert. Kim smiled at me as she walked past me towards the kitchen. The four of us sat around the dining room table, immersed in the delightful conversation of old times and the permeating smells of meat, onion, and the faint kiss of cinnamon from the apple pie. At one point I turned to look at Steve and noticed he had drunk little of his beer. 
This was unusual for him, as he'd often go through three or four in a night. I thought about asking if anything was bothering him, but something else stopped me. He was blinking his eyes at me. Not like when you blink normally, but rapidly when you're suffering from allergies or you have an eyelash that's stuck. The rest of the evening went on like usual. Our meal of roast and apple pie practically melted in my mouth with each bite. All the while, every time Steve and I locked eyes, he would be blinking, sometimes fast, sometimes slow. The two of us never had time to talk in private that night like we usually do. When Steve and Kim were leaving, Steve let Kim go first. We exchanged a firm handshake, and then Steve gave me a long look right in my eyes. A look of what I could only call desperation. He almost looked like he could cry right then and there. This morning, I went about like usual. Morning coffee and newspaper. Then off the church with Jill. Looking forward to having leftover roast and pie for lunch. I checked my email just for the heck of it. I had one new email in my inbox. It was a link to a story about a former U.S. Senator and Navy Admiral who on live television blinked the word torture using Morse code in 1966. The email was from an unknown account. Taking a moment, I sat up in my chair, starting to put it all together. Steve's blinking wasn't something random or an allergy. He had been trying to tell me something all along. It took a while for me to replay the night in my mind. Morse code isn't used too much nowadays, but once you learn it, you don't forget it. Kind of like riding a bicycle. I grabbed a pen and started to scribble down the letters. finished, I dropped the pen and stared at the paper, eyes wide open. N-O-T-K-I-M-H-E-L-P. Not Kim. Help. This concludes our stories for this episode. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check the show notes for information about the stories and authors presented in this episode. And also be sure to check out Scare You to Sleep if you haven't already. It's fantastic. And until next time, try not to get scared.